Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. 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 Back to throw versus Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Yeah. It is a Tuesday. Monster show lined up for you. Monster oh. show. Yeah. yeah. Like we've been up here since six in the morning putting this thing together. Nice. Actually, some people have been here way before that. <laughs> but we've been grinding on this right. one because there is a ton of stuff we got to get to. Kyler Murray made his announcement official, although I don't necessarily know that means he's chosen the NFL just yet. Yep. We're going to break that down. Or leverage. James Harden is continuing to just dominate the NBA. How long can he sustain that? But if you got a new job and you had, let's say you were signing in the NBA and you had yeah. a new team, do you think first impressions matter? Yeah, I do. Like with the media and fans. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it's your job performance, but I, I think all they have to go off of initially is that press conference. So yeah, it matters. First impressions matter the most. Yeah. Especially in certain markets, New York City being one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think Adam Gaze just failed his first opening <laughs> impression, uh, his first opening impression. Yeah. How just the dude is a weird dude. It's almost like a Muppet with bubbly eyes that yeah. go around and he had this crazed look on his face. And it became a thing on Twitter. People were making fun of him. If you're a Jets fan, I think you're genuinely concerned right now. Or if you're Mike McCagden and you're the GM and you just hired him, I think you're thinking, Oof. Yeah, that's not a good look all the way around. Like, my man, your the, the eyes are the, the first thing that strike me about that. But then just a lot of stuff, like the tie being like slightly <laughs> unfiltered. Yeah, like the hair in the front. somebody there to just say, hey, let me tighten this up before. Like, like I, if, if I'm on TV stylist. and we're together and I got something going on, like you better tell me. There was a time here you had a little piece of lint on your head something. and I was like, hey, you got to – Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, but like somebody has to look out for him. Um, yeah, and you know, like football coaches are weird sometimes, man. Like I feel like basketball coaches for the most part, you know, get up there. They have their stuff together. Maybe like there's more of a, a stylist approach to it, yes. right? And they perform. Some football coaches, like if they're analytically driven or they're that – you know, behind the scenes type of Bill Belichickian dude, like they don't always come off, um, great in press conferences. So I want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but you certainly didn't start off on the right foot and with like that. New that's it. York, a- New York market will eat you up and spit you out. And that's what it feels like. They'll be ready to jump on this opening presser in a heartbeat. I feel like I've seen him before, like address the media after Dolphins games. He's not, he doesn't always have that affect on his face, does he? Like, no, it was, I was almost like, I don't know if it was coffee driven or what, like he had too much coffee. There was something there, uh, but he looked like I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> I don't walk around like I don't like either. That. Or there's like a social disorder where he's uncomfortable. Cause remember he got a lot of heat down here for wearing his hat so low oh like he wouldn't look up he'd like look down i don't i honestly don't know but there's something that's off i'm gonna give you a couple examples of why i think he could be in trouble already and maybe he hits a home run maybe he's one of the best coaches the jets ever have i didn't love the hire when it was made and i definitely don't love it now it was their third it was a third choice essentially wasn't it right exactly jim tom sula was named the head coach the 49ers after harbaugh left he was a head coach or a defensive line coach they they just uh, promoted him to head coach when jim harbaugh left he had one of the worst opening pressers, and there was actually, I think it was a TV show that he was doing, and they asked him something, a real basic question, like, what are your goals going to be? And he's like, he did not have an answer for right. it. He could not come up, even BS, because a lot of times you just got to shovel stuff and just sell it, and you have sure. to play the part. Sure. He didn't do that, and he got run off in one year, and I think it was in large part because of the first impression. The other one was Cam Cameron from the Miami Dolphins. 
Do you remember he had a couple quotes that just did not play well? One, when they drafted Ted Ginn, he's like, not only we draft Ted Ginn, we drafted his family. Right. People mocked that forever because Ted Ginn really didn't live up to that hype right. early. And then the other one was after one of their early losses, he said, we're going to fail forward. And I get where it was. It's like, I think it's like in a motivational speaker handbook, like that they hand out on what to say to people. Fail forward. And every from then, and they couldn't win a game. Remember they were one in 15? You're after just... every loss, people kept going back to that fail forward. And they were like, are we failing forward yet? Yeah. It became a mockery and he got run off after one year too. I just think it's a really, it's a bad look. And I think if you're a Jets fan, I think you're genuinely should be a little bit concerned right now. Um, so with coaching or anybody in the leadership position, but I, you know, I've only really dealt with it in my life in, in the coaching realm. I've always felt like if you don't have an answer, say the wrong one, but say it with conviction. Yes. Make everyone in that room believe like what you believe, like, or at least that there's conviction behind what you're telling me. When I, when you see a crack in that facade, like if there's any like doubt in your mind when you're addressing a room full of grown men, it's sniffed out. Right. And it's hard to regain that trust, you know? And I used to have this conversation with Cody, like, dude, don't stand up there and freeze. Like, preach it. Right. Preach it like you mean it from your soul, dude. And whether it's wrong or not is besides the point at that point, right? You've got it out there. And so, you know, Adam Gase had an issue in Miami in terms of, like, the football debate. Like, he's a young coach. He's trying to figure out who he is. But he lost the locker room. Mm -hmm. Right? And there is something to be said, and I don't mean to sound shallow about this, but there's something to be said for projecting an image that people want to follow. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And a flighty dude who won't look you in the eye and like a hat down low. And, you know, I don't mean to mock, it's not a social anxiety thing, but sometimes it's hard to follow a guy who's not projecting like, listen, this air of confidence. Like I got this. My swag is off the charts. You either follow me or you don't. I don't give a damn, but right. I got it. If you don't project that to a room full of alphas, you can get spit up and chewed out. Right. I mean, chewed up and spit out. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Danny, Danny, you remember yeah, Ben McAdoo? Remember Ben McAdoo? And it's like his yeah, first year as a Giants. Yes. It was his second year. He had the slick back hair and everything. And he got mocked for it all the time. And he wore the jumpsuit. A like, mess. He didn't have a suit. And then you could tell like he over, he underwent like this makeover to try to make him look more presentable. And it just, he never recovered from that. Nobody respected him because of the way he looked, which shouldn't matter. But in our shallow society, which is kind of just a fact, it does matter. Well, it, you should have to go out there. You know, you, it, you shouldn't have to, but you do need to. Or it matters even more again, dude. Like, you know, like athletes are, <laughs> we're prima donnas in our own, right? Right? Like we have our, like most guys are into style, into the way you look and your body. And then you add this like level of competitive, like alpha personality that most guys have to be at that level. Uh, and if your coach isn't representing that, he better be winning everything. Do you know what I'm saying? If yes. he's going to be like a toolish type of cat, then you better go in there and just win everything. Otherwise, there's not a whole lot of shelf life there. I just Googled Adam Gase to kind of find out if he had played anywhere because I think that matters too. If you did, I think players have a little bit more yeah, respect sure. for you. The first thing that came up that Google actually filled in for you was Adam Gase memes. Like, oh, so those are already becoming a thing. Which, good luck to him for overcoming that. Yeah. Well, let's see though. I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of work to do with Sam Darnold. We'll have to see if they can knock the Patriots yeah. from their perch. Uh, but it's not happening anytime soon because the Patriots are still playing this week's uh, conference championship weekend. Your transition you like that one was a little really better. Good. Yeah, they're getting, better. they're getting better. I kind of had to go good. around yeah. the block a little bit, but I brought it right back because we have fantastic matchups this weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a stat that was going around yesterday that a lot of people were talking about, and I do think it's interesting because we've talked a lot about, mm -hmm. hey, running game and defense travels, right? Like, right. That's the formula you need. And yet here we are, the four teams that we have in this Final Four weekend are the four – uh, top offenses in the league. I do think we need to change the philosophy from defense wins championships to just enough defense wins championships. Just enough, yeah. yeah. Right. You're going to give up big plays. You're going to give up uh, points. 
It's going to be turnovers. Can you create turnovers? And can you get stops in the red zone? Yeah. So that's what I mean by like opportunistic defenses. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be like the stoutest, but you have to play enough when it matters. I, I looked up like the stats because I wanted to know these are the top four offenses, um, in football that we have left. So last year in the conference championship round, um, so this, all right, this year's teams, they're the top four offenses. Yep. None of them rank higher than 14th in total defense in the NFL. Really? Right. So last year's championship round, you had the Vikings, Eagles, Pats, and Jaguars. Vikings number one total D, Jags number two total D, Vike, Eagles number four, and the Pats 29th. So it's almost like flipped on its head. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. It is. I think if you're a, like if you're a Cowboys fan, and you just watch your team play against the Rams and get beat. And I know it was an eight-point game, but it really didn't look close. I don't right. think the Rams were ever nervous. And you've got Jason Garrett running this system, which looks like it's straight out of 1992, mm-hmm. like in the old-school Cowboys. Like I'd be so frustrated saying, you are not transitioning. You're not evolving with the NFL. And like I would be very frustrated as a fan base. I think offenses do need to start thinking differently and thinking – now. The other question you could ask is, hey, is it cyclical? You know, right. like, is this going to come back around as teams figure them out? I think the way the NFL rules have dictated, I think the way you're seeing the quarterback position played, the NFL, the play callers, I think it's an offensive game now. And I think if you're not following in that trend, you're not going to have a very good chance of winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. It's a lot like the NBA. Um, like when Golden State started to kind of shift the way the game was played, you know, and now, Everybody's matching down. People were wondering whether it was cyclical. So you had teams like Memphis that were like hanging on. Right. And they're good enough That's to be. That's what the Cowboys are doing. They're yeah. hanging on to their good old days. And you're good enough to be okay. Right. But you ain't good enough to ever beat them, right? Cause you can't produce enough points to beat Golden State or Houston or whoever this is that's, that's scoring 125 points a game. You just don't have the capability of getting to that number. So I agree with you. You kind of got to have, you have to evolve with the times, you know, and the only, it becomes interesting. Like, let's say you know you can't win a championship. Right. And then you say, all right, well, then we just want to be the best version of like the Cowboys or Memphis we can be. So if you had like the league's leading defense and you guys were just great defensively and you knew you were going to be a perennial playoff team, but you're not going to have the firepower to get over the top. Like I I may forgive you that. I'm just being honest because there's only one team that can win. And like you got to know that you're not beating Golden State. Right. Like you're. I don't know, whatever one of these teams there is. So there, there is a lane there that I could forgive you for that. But generally speaking, I think you need to try to, you need to try to keep up with the Joneses, get yourself some offensive firepower and some creativity. Which there was a lot of, there, I, controversy probably not the right word because I don't think it was that big of a controversy, but you definitely saw a trend where the coaches that were hired, for yeah. the most part of all the positions, were young, offensive-minded play callers. And that, you know, the, the Sean McVay effect, trying to find the next uh, Sean McVay, which, I think teams almost a little bit desperately went and looked for that. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, the Broncos were one of my, I actually liked it better when Gary Kubiak was going to be the offense coordinator. We'll have to see what they do on the offensive side of the ball, but going with an older guy in Vic Fangio, same thing with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians, I love that hire for the Tampa Bay Bucks because I think he's an old school coach that can evolve with the times. Yeah, like man. he's going, where's Ken goals? <laughs> exactly. Like, come on, man. And his he's players a, he's love a... him. Like you talk about being a player's coach, like everybody that's ever played for him. He's a cool old dude. Really likes him. Right. But out of these seven hires, you see only two of them with defensive-minded head coaches. Brian Flores, the last one that was just made by the uh, Miami Dolphins. I I think this is a direct result of watching the success that was this year. The thing is, you better make sure you have a guy who's not just an offensive guy to fill an offensive uh, title, but that he actually knows what he's doing. And that remains to be seen with a lot of these. Yeah, and w- again, with the, with the young guys, I, I would say personality matters. Right, like Bill Belichick, track record speaks for itself. Doesn't have to be a personality guy with the people. Right, there's, there's this, you know, you've earned this. I, I, you know, there's a deference there. Yeah. You know, 
you're bringing in young guys that you're building, even if they're offensive minds, like they have to prove that to the guys that are in the locker room. So personality becomes important to buy them the time for them to be able to prove to people that they can do it. Yep. You know what I mean? For sure. So a team that is not in the market for a head coach is the Philadelphia Eagles. They do have an interesting decision that they're going to have to make, and that's what to do with Nick Foles. This is not easy. Like if you again, if you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said trade Foles, get something for him, just send him to the scrap heap, and keep your boy Carson Wentz. Right, the future. The amount of success Foles has had in the last two seasons, late in the season, and then in the playoffs, and including the Saints game, it wasn't his fault. He put, he had a couple good throws. He had the throw that went right by the receiver's head that he didn't get his head around. And he had obviously the pass to Alshon Jeffrey, which went right through his hands. Right. Or else I was thinking, Hey, he's going to lead him back again. This yeah. is some more Foles magic that we're going to see late. So they have an option. They can exercise the Eagles can exercise a $20 million option for Foles contract in 29, uh, 2019. But Foles, and you don't really see this a lot, which I think is good on his behalf. He can buy himself out for $2 million and go try the free agent market, potentially become a franchise quarterback somewhere else and make the bigger, longer term guaranteed money contract. I think it's probably going to be where they're going to lean towards the safer pick, which would be stay with Carson Wentz. But if I was the Eagles, I would be very seriously talking to Nick Foles about what would it take to have you retain your role as the backup right, and potential starter, like have it a lot of incentives based in there. But he's come out and said he wants to be, he wants to lead a team, right? He does, but I don't know if I believe him. You know, like some yeah. guys, I think it's their sole intent. They just want to be the guy. I think Nick Foles has really thrived in this role, coming off the bench, being this backup, role of mentor. And his, I mean, he's, it, and he talked about after he was done with the Rams, he talked about retiring. He's flirted with retirement before. Like, I think there are some things, some guys that it's just not the most important thing to be the starter. And I kind of have that hunch with Nick Foles. So I would say, hey, what if we can give you two years, you know, $35 million guaranteed to be our backup? Man. A lot of money. I know. Like They, I, they don't want to do it, but they have Carson Wentz on a cheap rookie deal. So some of the numbers that you say are crazy for a backup. Right. Don't really apply. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. See, I always felt like in the NFL with that, like with that hard cap, if you could get a Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz has been injured. So in fairness to Carson Wentz, because I've been on the Nick Foles thing too, he hasn't really had the opportunity to do what 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 uh, Nick Foles has done because of injury, right? right? So that like we're just assuming that he wouldn't have done it if he were there. Like he could have done the same thing, right? And I always felt like if you had the money and you couldn't go a penny over, the best opportunity for you to win would be to get that young guy on a rookie deal and spend the bread in other places that were going to make you phenomenal. If you had a young guy that was about it, so this one doesn't become as easy for me. I would actually let Nick Foles probably ride. I would spend that money that I'm saving on on uh, Carson Wentz and other places to shore up whatever holes I, I thought I had, and then uh, I would tell Nick Foles it's been a great ride. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably ultimately what they're going to do. You know who else might be getting the, hey, it's been a great ride or not such a great ride, is Cody Parkey, obviously the kicker for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> He's taking some heat, so <laughs> not from missing his 43-yard yeah. in the game in the playoffs the other day. He's taking a heat for the way he's handled everything. and I. Th- so here's where I, my hunch is what's happening. Is after the game, Cody Parkey spoke with the media, right. took it all on his shoulders, said, I'm, I, it was my fault. This is all on me. Didn't talk about the tip. Didn't say anything. Said, I have to make that kick. I'm supposed to make it. So then everybody's like, Hey, what a class act. Like, this is how you're supposed to be a professional. Yeah. I hope in my, like the back of my mind, my hope is that Cody Parkey realized he got praise for that and was like, Hey, 
I, my story is providing an example for a lot of young children. Okay. And a lot of youth out there. Right. And so he gets a call from GMA and they say, Hey, we've really been impressed by the way you've handled it. Would you mind coming on our show to talk about it? Right. He talks to his, his girlfriend, his wife. What I don't know what his situation is, but he goes there and he says, what do you think? You know, I can be a good example for everybody. If I go out there and show them, I can talk about this. So he goes on the good morning America. It did not get received that way because I, people are receiving it as he's playing the role of victim. He's looking for more sympathy. He's looking for this intention. What did he say on GMA that was like so, Coke what was me? see it all because I thought he just talked about the situation, talked about how hard it's been dealing with some of the criticism and was like, hey, this is part of being a professional athlete. Sure. This is some of the stuff I have to agree with. I get it if Twitter's upset at you, but his head coach, Matt Nagy, wasn't too thrilled with it either. His quote was, and I'm interested to hear your take on this. Matt Nagy said, quote, for me, you understand that we always talk about a we and not a me thing. We always talk as a team. We win as a team. We lose as a team. You know, I just I didn't necessarily think that was too much of a we thing. Well, we didn't get we didn't get booed off the field when we were walking out. <laughs> I did. Right. He hasn't been getting death. We didn't get all death threats. Yeah. We didn't get our family. I like, did. Right. Um, Matt Nagy, get over yourself. All right. Like, first of all, people always want to know what it's like to be an athlete and they want insight into the athlete. So he goes on Good Morning America and he gives you a glimpse into the soul of an athlete at his most vulnerable time. Like what, what more do you want? You ask for it all the time. You got it. Right. And in terms of a team, look, once I leave your facility in the summer, unless like I could take any media, uh, uh, availability I want, like I would go do, you know, the car wash and, and, and work at different places to try to get my experience yeah. level up. I didn't have to run that by my head coach or my like player relations. None of that. That's my personal time. Now, if I'm going out there and I'm saying stuff slanderous to the team right. or the organization, that's a whole nother ball game. But in terms of running every media, like appearance I make by the coach, Bro, get over yourself. It's ridiculous. This to me is a 2019 problem. It's just we're too sensitive about what guys are doing and too worried about what their motivation. Matt Nagy, why do you selfish. why do you care, Danny? Could you please well, like articulate? Fans, to everybody me? did. I, I honestly. Why don't know. do you care that Cody Parkey is on Good Morning America talking about missing a kick? Why is that a bad look for anybody? I have no idea. His quote that he said was, "I'm disappointed. I let the fans, my teammates, and the entire organization down, but I'll continue to keep my head held high because football is what I do. It's not who I am." Sounds pretty good. Sounds like a good example. I don't know. I, it, I, I think it's, I think it's everybody making way too big of a deal out of something that's really not a big deal. No one, Matt Nagy. NFL people are funny. You They're, do better. You do yeah. better. And then, then you, like, what did you, did they got to run Cody Parkey gets to know when you're going on, uh, and doing your press? Like, <laughs> no, come on, man. It's going to be interesting is what do they do with him? Because there is some concern that they might cut him. I almost do think they're going to be better off cutting him because I don't know how he recovers in that stadium. Yeah. The first kick of the season, I think, is going to be, you know, stressful. Sure. A game winner in the regular season is going to be stressful. He's going to have that in the back of his mind. And then, it, could you imagine if he's lining up over another postseason game-winning kick? Yeah, it'll be a basket kick. I think you got to move on. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, as as it pertains to him going on, right. Good morning, America. Let like, him do his thing. On, Let him live his life. Don't y'all embarrassed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, welcome back, Kenel and Bell. So James Harden has been on an absolute tear, just lighting it up. And we've been all over. We've talked about it a bunch. But at some point, does he have to take a night off? Is he going to have a day off like where they limit his minutes? Because... What do you have? Fifty-seven last night. Yeah. Uh, Mike D'Antoni said at some point it's rare. Like I mean, on dead legs, and he played forty-three minutes last night. It's beyond impressive. It's rare that people can do what he's done. If anybody. Yeah. That... Friday, he said. Harden said, "I'm going to try to get some rest tomorrow and be ready to go Wednesday." Same thing. Like I, I do like his attitude, nonchalant, like no big deal. But can he keep it up? Um. Yeah. You know, they're look. Yeah, he's going to have to. They. they <laughs> I mean, they. No, Chris Paul. Uh, no Eric Gordon and now no Clint Capella. The Clint Capella injury is going to be harder for them to like withstand than the other two because you still had James Harden who just wants to dribble and shoot anyway. So you could kind of miss Eric Gordon and Chris Paul. It's going to be hard to replace what Clint Capella does in that lineup. So there'll be some slippage there. It'll make it a lot harder for James Harden to get his stuff off because right now they've got Clint Capella when they run pick and roll with James Harden. Um, and he represents just this monster threat going downhill at the rim. Sucks everything in behind it. And now you can play out of that. Without his rim run, um, you're essentially in just ISO mode for James Harden. It becomes harder to score. I saw a stat that says James Harden has dribbled the ball 4,000 times more this season than any other player in the NBA. That's absurd. It's absurd. It is, it's offensive, but he's got to do it. It's the way Mike D'Antoni is like, I love Mike because Mike does not care. He's like, look, I got the best one-on-one player in the game. I got two of the best pick and roll players in the game. And I have one of the best rim run centers in the game. I'm not running offense. Like I'm not, I'm not right. running anything. I'm just going to come down and I'm just going to let right. him beat you. <laughs> right. That's it. And it's working and it's right working. now. It is. It's funny because we're talking about him playing, you know, so well at his high pace. These minutes are up so, so much. For some reason, you tell me if I'm wrong. When I see James Harden, I don't, like maybe it's because he doesn't post workout videos on Instagram in the right. offseason like LeBron does and some other dudes do. Do you picture him as that guy like that's, that's the workout warrior that can just like dominate? Cause I see him as kind of one of the not more impressive bodies in the NBA. You know, he's, maybe su- it's the beard. I don't know. No, it's, yeah, it's the beard. It's the persona. Like it's his swag. Like he's like, you, you got back. Yeah. Now here's what's interesting. Google a picture of him without the beard, right? No, seriously, do it. And, and tell me if you think that guy would be doing what he's doing in the NBA. It's the weirdest thing. I did it last night. Look at him without the beard. Whoa. Correct. He is the most unassuming dude in the world, right? That's him for real? That's him. Just, no, seriously, there's something about when that beard, like, he is the beard. You see the beard, and I'm like, okay, the beard could do that. Yeah. But if I saw that dude, it would be like his, like, Clark Kent. Like, do you know what I mean? I'd be like, nah, I don't think that guy can hang 57 on you, like... It's almost like the uh, Chris Paul State Farm commercials when he's like the dude before and the dude after. Correct, Chris Paul. It's really like interesting. Brother. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. It'll be interesting to see if he can. Do you keep think, up that Raja? Thing. Do you think that D'Antoni would would shut him down late in the season? Like if they've clinched a playoff spot already and he's up for, let's say he's up for like the MVP. Do you do you see Mike shutting him down? No. Just to rest him for the playoffs? No. I mean, he'll monitor his minutes, right? I mean, he wouldn't let him go out there and play 43 minutes a night, would he? Probably not, but Mike is known for like playing you. Right. Like Mike, Mike played us a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I haven't been with Mike in a while, but Mike will play you. Um, no, I don't think he'd take it away from James, uh, Coca. Like I think, you know, two time MVPs, he had another one. He had Steve Nash. Um, 
And I think, you know, if you're that close to it and it's right on his fingertips, I think he'd let, let him play it out. I don't think he'd take that away from James if, if James had a chance to get it. You and I have a pretty good relationship. I'm glad we do because I would not want to cross you. Uh, I feel, yeah, that's true. It's a little dicey, <laughs> but I would not want to cross you because I could what? see you as a guy you wouldn't be on the wrong side of. What? Apparently, you don't want to be on the wrong side of Blake Griffin either. Ah, uh, again, because I see. Okay. These are all kind of coming back full circle. <laughs> okay. Uh, his former team's owner, Steve mm-hmm. Ballmer, uh, he's playing against the Clippers the other night. Detroit was. They were out there, you know, shooting warm-ups. Palmer <laughs> <laughs> goes up to him just to give him a handshake. I love it. And Blake Griffin just uh, buzzes by him. Balmer kind of laughs it off because that's the only thing you can do in that situation. You can't get mad. It's fantastic. Goes down the tunnel, head down. Like, you don't see a billionaire with that look just out- outright embarrassed. Clap it off. Mad. Blake Griffin is trying to say everybody's full of it and that he does this routine every time when he sprints in because he doesn't want to sign autographs. He just wants to get to the locker room. Do you buy his answer? I'm calling BS on that because he walked towards Steve Ballmer. Like you walk to him and for a while your eyes were on the ground. And yeah. so I'd say, okay, maybe you didn't see him. But at the last minute you looked at him. I, I saw I saw your head turn and you looked right at him and then you decided to get into your sprint. So that's BS. It's a lie. Having said that, like why why eat it? Not obligated to shake his hand. Like, if you're Steve Ballmer, have a little self-awareness here. All right? Like, seriously. Like, I, I, you traded the guy. You broke up with him. He didn't break up with you. Right. Like, you think I want to see you? Like, no, seriously. (laughs) But like, no, it's like you're breaking up with a girlfriend and she tells you she don't want to be with you no more. She's got a new dude. Like, beat it. And then the next, and the next time she, the next time she sees you, she want to be up in your face hugging you. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hug when you're here with your, with your new dude. Like, let me live. There may be a time, like, when I get over it, and I find a new girl. I got a new, and we're all good. Where I may want to like hug, but that's on my terms, not on your terms. Yeah, but no, I, I don't begrudge. Listen, run off that damn court, Blake Griffin. If Steve, if uh Steve Ballmer's the old girl in this situation, I don't think he went out there and was like looking for the hug or anything. I think he was just doing it to try to put bygones. That's bygones. the hug. That's, that's the, the hug. The male equivalent of that's the hug. hug. That's a that's in in front. That's a public like display of affection. It's a PDA. That was a hug. And I ain't giving you no damn hug. You just dumped me and you, and, and no, you no hug for you. Would you have done that if any of, I know you would have done it to Ty Corbin. You would have never gone and done it. I would for never. Him. But would you have done that with an I, old owner? I was, cause I was, my dad always taught me, probably to a fault. Yeah. He was like, you never want to burn any I bridges. Was, like, yeah, don't correct. burn any bridges. Like you always got to play the class. Don't burn any bridges. In the back of my dad's mind, he was thinking, Hey, there might be another opportunity down the road. Even in my sure. mind, I'm like, I don't ever want to play for that team again. They cut me. I don't ever want to do that. No, I tell kids this. I mean, all, all jokes aside, I tell kids like, you know, don't burn your bridges. Like, and part of the reason I got a job in Philadelphia, um, that, that year with the Sixers was cause I had been in camp with, uh, San Antonio. And even though they cut me, like all the coaches really liked me and I was, I was a good dude. Like I was a good teammate and I tried hard and, you know, I was respectful and I, you know, and so that, the, like Popovich and Larry Brown were like best friends. And so like Larry Brown, like articulated some of that to me when I met him, you know, he was right. like, you know, Pop said, if I ever had a chance to work with you that I should try. So being a good person does matter and you don't want to burn those bridges. And so in, in my playing days, in the middle of my playing days, I wasn't Blake Griffin though. Right, like, right. Blake Griffin writes yeah, his own ticket. Right. He, he writes his own ticket. Like, and right. the talent is transcendent. So like, he's going to have a job. Yeah. Me? Yeah, I'd have been like, hi, Mr. Bomber. Right. Hey man, how are right. you? You know what I mean? Yeah. But Blake, if I'm Blake, dog, get out of here, man. You know, hug. I would have done the same thing. Welcome back to Leftovers. Kyler Murray yesterday afternoon sent out a tweet that I am officially declaring for the NFL, made it on Twitter. Uh, I don't think this is the win that people are assuming it is, saying, oh, this is a huge win for the NFL. What a blow to baseball. Yep. I just think it means he's one step closer. But I still don't know 
what in Kyler Murray's head he wants to do. I think this is him saying, I'm going to continue this path. Yeah. I'm going to keep my options open because the Oakland A's can still negotiate with him on that $15 million, whatever the number is. Sure. Match the money. The major, that the majors deal. Yeah. Pro deal. So I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's done yet. I still think there's a no. lot to be determined. Football is like, Baseball hasn't won yet. Football's still in the game. They're still yeah. winning, right? Right. Like they're 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 closing the gap on baseball a little bit, but the game's still like a foot. Right. He's got to report to A's. Who says a foot? Training. I just said the game is a foot. <laughs> uh, a foot. The game's a foot. You know who says that? I've been watching. I've been watching. <laughs> what show are you on? <laughs> like Sherlock on uh, on Netflix. The game is a foot. Watching the game is a foot. I just said the game is a foot. What's the show? Down Navi. The game is a foot. That's that one. Peaky Blinders? Yeah, we're going to be on that one. Uh, he has to report for spring training on February 15th is when he has to do that. The NFL scouting combine begins in Indy on February 26th. Yeah. One thing that was cleared up by yep. his, uh, I think it was his SID at Oklahoma. That's a terrible look. I think so too. So his SID tweeted out, said, I see a lot of talking heads on television talking about him being 5'8". We measured him with socks on and he measured at 5'9 and 7'8". So that Thanks. is not doing him any favors. You would want people to still wonder maybe he's over 5'10". By him clearing it up, I think it only just threw gasoline on a fire that Kyler Murray doesn't want any part of. Yeah, that's the, – the dude, don't say anything. Correct. Leave that – that should be mis- shrouded in mystery there. Um, He said he's listed at 5'10 by Oklahoma. So this is – at since the AF, AFL-NFL merger in 1970, there have been 107 quarterbacks drafted in the first round of the draft, and only one of them has been under six feet. That was Johnny Manziel, and he was 5'11 and three quarters. Right. And that's Baker pretty Mayfield remarkable. Six over six. Yeah. Russell Wilson was under, right? I think he was 5'11. Was he not? Oh, that was the first round. Cause the, uh, Russell Wilson was the first, first round. round. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that, that is a major hurdle that he's going to have to overcome. I feel like the NFL has come a long way in the way they think about quarterbacks and evaluate them. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, it's got to take the right team. The problem I see with it is in the draft, the way it unfolds. I was going through this last night looking at the top 10 picks. Cause I think that's where ideally he'd want to be picked. Right. Cardinals pick first. They just drafted Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. 49ers, they have Jimmy Garoppolo. Jets are in third. They just have Sam Darnold. The Raiders, they've got Derek Carr. I just don't, I don't envision them taking a quarterback at four. I right. think they like Carr enough to say, all right, we're going to go another year. Then you got the Bucks. They got Jameis. The Giants are really the key team that makes a lot of sense. And our own Ryan Wilson has him going sixth overall to the Giants. Mm-hmm. I think the Giants are going to take the safer approach, which is Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, well, I was going to say, that's assuming he's the number one quarterback on the board, right? Right. Well, if, if Kyler Murray was not coming out and he didn't exist, Dwayne Haskins would be the clear-cut number one. I think, And I think the Giants will go safer. I just feel like just knowing their organization, know kind of how they think, I think that's the way they'll go. The other spot I think you could see him going is 10 to the Broncos, where they uh, Ryan Wilson, again, as Daniel Jones, quarterback out of Duke, going to the Broncos. But John Elway is a guy who's familiar with two sport athletes. He was a baseball player. I think he's a guy who might think a little bit more outside the box and say maybe he could fit in Denver. And our, you know, the thing with with Elway too is like he can't get this wrong. Like he's gotten the quarterback wrong so many times. You think this this could be his last chance? Swing and a miss. Which makes it more he'd probably go with the safer. I'm just saying I'm not gonna swing and miss on five nine. Right. That's the problem. And and let me ask you like smaller quarterback, smaller hands probably, Yeah, right? I mean, that's sure. not always the case because Russell Wilson's got some big old mitts and right. he's small, but that's got to come into and a... He's, see, here's the thing, and this is where Tony Dungy, when he drafted Warwick Dunn, yeah. he was questioned right off the bat. He's like, hey, he's too small. And I played with Warwick. He's yeah. tiny. 
And and more uh Tony Dungy gave the answer like, Hey, I don't care the guy's measurables, I want to measure the size of his heart. Right. Like it's kinda of corny. Sure. But watching Morick Dunn run, he had this ability, this knack, which you can't even teach, to avoid the big hit. Right. He was just shifty at the last second, he knew how to fall. Yep. Kyler Murray does have that type of shiftiness where he you can't get a good lick on him, but all it takes is one hit and you're in the next Pat White, who, you know, the Dolphins drafted in the second round. They were thinking they were changing the game. And I don't know if you remember the hit. The Steelers, dude, blew him up into net. Like, I never played football again. Really? That bad. Yeah. It was, it's one of the most vicious hits you'll see in the NFL. And he put him in the next week. Um, bad. But not only that, I mean, when you're talking five nine, now you're talking about real. And, and you spoke to Patrick Mahomes' ability yesterday to have guys in his face and be able to drop the ball down. And, but at five nine, now you're talking about potentially not being able to see, like, over those linemen to to make throws, right? Like, right. I mean, at what at what height does it become? See, I like, don't think almost... it matters. You can be six four, and you're not going to be able to see over line. That's yeah. the big, that's the biggest misperception. Okay, you throw through windows, like you have to, okay. see, like the because the, the linemen they block, they separate, and then you kind of have to feel your way around and see things. And right, passing lanes open up. That's why they call them passing yeah. lanes. Every offensive lineman in front of you is Isn't going it? to be six four or six five. So I six four. I couldn't see over them. Right. You know, now they're ducked down a little bit. Can you see over them a little bit? Yeah, maybe. Right, but it's not but like it's you're not, like peering yeah, over. It's not a, like it's going to be a world. Of I gotcha. Uh, apparently, Bet DSI has odds on the Oakland Raiders as the favorite, plus two fifty. Which again, at their draft position, maybe they're uncertain about Derek Carr. I just is John Gruden. Maybe he will. Maybe he's the type of guy's got. I got a hundred mil guaranteed. Maybe I'll take a flyer on him. He's the type of guy to do Vegas, it. <laughs> superstar type right. of guy. Um, so I think he does have it though. Like, well, I do too. I, I think he, you know, he's whether a gamer. Yeah, he's Which got what I want in my quarterback. Right. The guy who does not crumble in the big lights, who wants that spotlight on him. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens where he ends up going. Um, there's a trend that's taking place. It's a, it's always been this way, but I'm curious to get your thought on it. Because I think it happens in all walks of life, but I think it's obvious in certain occupations because it's well documented and it's you know it's very prevalent. And it's nepotism. Yeah. So we just heard when Hannah was reading our update, she said Gary Kubiak is taking the offensive coordinator job and his son, Clint Kubiak, is going to take the quarterback job. He was going to do the same thing if he was in Denver. Like, and then Gary Kubiak left, so he brings his son with him, which just feels like kind of awkward. Right. Like, is it a package deal? What are you doing there? Do you have a problem if a guy gets hired and his dad is a position where his dad has the name? Because I think you look at Kyle Shane, like the NFL is littered with coaches and their sons on staffs. And if it's not on their own staff, it's kind of that old boys network. Like, Hey, you gave me that job 20 years ago. Now I'm going to, I'm going to help you out. You also, I'll hire your son, have him on my staff. Yeah. It, it goes on all over the place. I know it's, if, what are you going to do about it? I Mark Rick is a perfect example. Correct. You're my, you're now that one, I have a, like, I don't, cause they weren't good. They weren't good. I don't know that his son is up to the level that he should be to have that job. If your son is competent, like, I have no problem with you working under dad. You know, if you've groomed son and he's reaped all the benefits of being a coach's son forever and he's just going to be a great coach because of that, like, yeah, I don't I don't have a problem. But purely nepotism for nepotism's sake, like you're just going to give son a job and he's got no prior experience and he's not good at that job, yeah, I got a beef with it. But, I mean, to your point, happens everywhere, every walk of life, and it ain't stopping. So <laughs> like, right. my goal would be to be in a position where I can do it. Well, that's, hey, that's, my son in there. So that's, what I would, that's yeah. where I was leaning toward. Because you see it in broadcasting a sure. lot. You see it in, in football. You see it in basketball. Do you yeah. see it as much in basketball? That, it doesn't feel like it. No. Uh, I think there were some rumors about the Doc Rivers-Austin Rivers situation with the Clippers. Yeah. Like, I mean, but, you know, Austin Rivers is a, is a good player. I don't know that he warranted the money that Doc gave him. Ultimately, and here's where it's in, because Kyle Shanahan was like a – 
senior in college when I was on the Denver mm-hmm. Broncos. So he was there running around, helping us out of practice, right. like as a ball boy. Clint Kubiak was in high school. Jake Plummer and I used to go watch his high school game. You're so old. I know these do. I am getting yeah, old. old. And I know they've been around the game, but they're definitely getting advantages that other people don't because of it. But life is about who you know. Yeah, it is. And to your point, I'm not going to get mad at it because one day if my daughters want to get into broadcasting, I'm going to call everybody it's I know and call. say, Hey, Correct. man, remember me? Can you help out my daughter? And if yeah. he gets her a job or one of them, then that's good. Like I think, but ultimately I do think in every walk of life, you have to prove your value and yeah. you have to earn it. And I think that's my big thing is as long as you do it, I don't care what your last name is. As long as you work hard and try your best and you're competent, then go ahead. Your phone call could get your daughter in the door. Right. And then your daughter has to prove that she's worthy of being there. Right. Right. Like, so like Kyle know. Shanahan, correct. He got his foot in the door with some quality control job back in the day. And then he elevated, got worked his way through the system Yep. and they became head coach. I do wonder if he would have gotten a head coaching position as fast if his name wasn't Kyle Shanahan. No, but the answer is right. no. Right. But that's, have. but that's life. Yep. Uh, Warriors nuggets tonight. I'm going warriors. Who you got? Warriors. Warriors.